The world is full of confusing questions, isn't it? I got a few for you. For instance, why do we cook bacon and bake cookies? If Cinderella's shoe fits so perfectly, then why did it fall off anyway? Why do we say you have a cold when your temperature goes up? And why do we call buildings buildings when they've already been built? So many confusing questions, many of them silly, but a lot of them aren't, are they? You know, last week we started in the book of Habakkuk and Clarence kind of walked us through looking at some of the difficult, confusing questions that Habakkuk had. And this prophet, he's asking questions to God, like, God, how long you tolerate the evil going on here in Judah? And then he gets God's response and then that just... Uh, causes more questions to come out. God, how, how are you going to use the Babylonians? I mean, they're even more evil than, uh, than the Israelites. And God, how, how, how are you who's able to look, who cannot look upon evil, going to allow this people of such evil to come in? I mean, what are other gonna, people going to say? Because they're just going to start worshiping their false gods. I mean, how can you allow this, God? Why are you working like this? So many confusing questions, so many hard questions. And the questions really haven't changed, have they? I mean, they're still at their root a lot the same. God, how do you allow evil? How come it seems like sometimes that the evil are getting ahead and those who are trying to do good, well, they're getting left in the dust? God, God why, why do you allow this pandemic just to keep on going on? How come you allow Muslims over in Iran to ransack and tear down churches? Aren't, isn't their God going to be like highlighted and you're going to see weak? God, well, why? Why? What? How? Why do these things happen? How are you working? What is going on? And so the questions continue. But God, he responds. We're going to look at that response. We're going to pick it up in Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 through 20. Because we left off last week, Habakkuk said, hey, I've got all these questions but I'm still going to do what you've called me to do. I'm still going to go to my post. I'm still going to watch. I'm still going to keep watch. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. But he's still left in this confusing place. And yeah, he's being faithful, but what do you do next? God's response in Habakkuk 2 really helps us with that. I want to read it to you. Let's go ahead and check it out. Habakkuk 2, 2 through 20. And the Lord answered me. Write this vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol, like death. He never has enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all peoples. Shall not all these take up their taunt against him with scoffing and riddles for him and say, Woe to him who heaps up what is not his own for how long and loads up himself with pledges. Will not your debtors suddenly arise and those awake who will make you tremble? Then you will be spoiled for them because you have plundered many nations. All the remnant of the people shall plunder you for the blood of man and violence to the earth, to cities and all who dwell in them. Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house to set his nest on high to be safe from the reach of harm. You have devised shame for your house by cutting off many peoples. You have fortified your life for the stone will cry out from the wall and the beam from the woodwork respond. Woe to him who builds a town with blood and founds a city on iniquity. Behold, is it not from the Lord of hosts that peoples labor merely for fire and nations weary themselves for nothing? 
For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Woe to him who makes his neighbors drink. You pour out your wrath and make them drunk in order to gaze at their nakedness. You will have your fill of shame instead of glory. Drink yourself and show your uncircumcision. The cup in the Lord's right hand will come around you and utter shame will come upon your glory. The violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you as the destruction of the beast that terrified them for the blood of man violence to the earth, to cities and all who dwell in them. What profit is an idol? When its maker has shaped it, a metal image, a teacher of lies, for its maker trusts in his own creation when he makes speechless idols. Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, awake, to a silent stone, arise. Can this teach? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath in it at all. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. So Habakkuk's confused. He's being faithful. He's gone up to his post. He's keeping watch, but he's confused. He still has some unanswered questions. God doesn't make sense in how he's working, but he's being faithful. And then God responds right to the prophet's confusion. When things don't make sense, God responds to him again. And this time God says, hey, you're going to want to get out a pen and paper for this one. I want you to write this down. And you know how important that is, don't you? I mean, if you're ever in a class or something and Teacher says, hey, get out your pen and paper. You, if you get anything from this class, you really got to get this. We understand how important it is when somebody says, write this down. And so God is telling Habakkuk, he's telling the prophet, I've got some important information for you. I want this on the tablets. I want this for everyone to know. You need to write this down. Important information is coming. But while important information is coming, action is not coming. The, the, so God tells the prophet, hey, it's going to seem like a while. You're going to have to wait. You, you want there to be action now, but it doesn't work that way. It's not how I'm going to work. I'm going to be patient with this thing. And so you have to be patient too. But he says, once you get it, once you understand this, what happens is then you're going to take off running. See, it's interesting, isn't it, that when you're going through a really hard time in life, that when life is confusing, it doesn't make sense, circumstances are hard, you don't really want to make any big life decisions in that part, in that point of life, do you? You almost want to be still. You almost want to, you want to wait because you know a decision is liable to be rash. It's liable not to be thought through. It's liable to be something foolish. So we wait. God says, once you understand this, you're going to be free to run again. Once you get this, you can run, you can make decisions, you can live the life that I've called you to live. This is critical. You must understand this. And then God, he gives him the summary statement right up front. He lets them know, yeah, Babylon, they're prideful, they're shameful, they do all these evil things. But you understand this, the righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. It's such a crucial point that God wants the prophet to understand so that he can tell it to all the people, the righteous remnant left in Judah. Hey, you're going to go through some really hard times. It's going to be really ugly when the Babylonians march in, but you who are righteous, you will live by faith. You know, that's such a hard concept for us to get. 
we get the idea that we're justified, that we're saved by faith. I mean, we understand that while we were still sinners, while we were enemies of God, that Jesus Christ, God the Son, died for us for our sin, and he rose again so that we could be in right relationship with God, so that our sins could be paid for, so that the righteousness of Jesus can be given to us. We get that, that we are saved by faith. But just as we are made righteous by faith, God is now telling the prophet, hey, not only are you made righteous by faith, you also must live by faith. You live by faith. You're not merely justified, saved by faith. You also live by faith. Ah, but that's the hard part, isn't it? Because so oftentimes we live by circumstance. And so when circumstances are good, we're good. When circumstances are tough, we're not so good. Why? Because somebody does something we don't like, we get bitter, we want to respond, we want to retaliate. And so circumstances tend to dictate our behavior. They tend to dictate our mood and our outlook on life. And God is saying to the prophet, and he's saying to all those who are righteous, no, you're going to be different because you're not going to be dependent upon circumstances. You're going to live by faith. That's so hard to get. And we say, Hey, you know, I trust God. I trust him. He's going to, he's going to do what he's going to do. And I trust that, but it's people that I have a hard time with. I have a hard time trusting them. The guy say, Hey, don't you understand that I control the hearts of people? I mean, the hearts of Kings are in my hand. I, I move them like waters. I, I, I dictate what I want them to do. I, I am in control. I am sovereign. <laughs> See, once we get that, what happens? We're able to respond to our circumstances by faith. Not by fear, not, not because of whatever else is going on. We don't react emotionally. We react with faith. We respond to circumstances with faith. And what does faith produce? Joy. It's one of the hallmarks of faith. Faith produces joy. Just think about Paul, okay? You remember Paul, when he wrote the book of Philippians? He's stuck in this Philippian jail cell. I mean, he's chained to a guard. Life is tough. Nobody wanted to be in one of those jail cells, let me tell you. And what does Paul write in the book of Philippians? Rejoice. Rejoice always. I say it again. Rejoice. Why? Because he's living by faith. He's not living by circumstance. Because if you're living by circumstance, there's no way you're rejoicing when you're falsely imprisoned in those kind of circumstances. No. But when you live by faith, what happens? Joy takes over. This is John, right? We just talked about him not too long ago when he wrote the book of Revelation, how he's exiled off to this island of Patmos. And what's he doing there? He's worshiping. Joy still comes out. It still overflows. Why? Because he's living by faith. Maybe you're wanting to be discipled by somebody. You recognize, you know, I need someone to come alongside me and just show me and teach me the Christian life and, and how, how, do, how do I live and how does this work and how does a relationship with God impact every area of my life? If you want that, you look for someone who lives a life that's marked with joy. When, when you see them, do they just radiate joy? Because if they do, they're, they're walking by faith. They're the type of people who have faith in any circumstance, and that's what dictates, that's what governs their behavior. And so God is telling the prophet to let the righteous know, hey, you live by faith. And once you get that, 
then you don't just have to be stuck. You don't just have to stand guard. No, then you're able to run. You're able to share this joy, this good news. It's, it's exciting. You can live again. You can do the purpose, all things for which I've created. You can dream. You can think. You can make decisions. Why? Because you're living and you're living by faith. Well, God, he's going to help back out even a little more than that. He's going to say, here's why you can live by faith. Here's, here's what you can trust. And you can trust that the Babylonians are going to get what's coming to them. And so then from here, God, he goes on and he tells Habakkuk a series of judgments that's going to happen. Or why these woe, like woe, it's going to be really bad for the Babylonians. Why is it going to be bad? Because here's their actions. Here's what they're doing. And so he says, hey, whoa, 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 watch out for the Babylonians uh, because the Babylonians think that they can get rich just by plundering people and taking advantage of, of uh, defenseless people. And God's saying, that's not how righteous people act. Righteous people don't act that way. And so don't think for a minute that they're going to actually get ahead in the end by acting that way. It's not going to work. And then there's the woe number two. Whoa, 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 whoa. The, the Babylonians think that they can build mansions and all these nice houses from unjust gain, that they can be uh, uh, in some kind of gated community and they're going to be kept safe and everything's going to be fine. They're going to be well protected. And God's saying, no, be careful because if you think because you can acquire all this wealth and power that you're going to be safe because of that, if you've acquired all that unjustly, it's no defense for you. And did you catch what God said at this point? He says, he says, the cries of the, of the stones from the walls, he hears them. The, 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 the beams of the woodwork, they echo those cries. He hears it all. He hears it. Why? Because all of creation is groaning because of the sin, because it's not being used the way it properly should be. You know, God hears the cries of innocent blood. He hears it. Habakkuk, he's wondering, God, are you seeing any of this? I mean, you're saying you're going to send in the Babylonians, but are, but are you seeing the Babylonians? Well, let me just remind you of their evil. And so he goes in, he even tells God, just here's how evil they are. You can't look at that. And he's reminding him and asking him these questions. How can you use these people? And so now God's saying, oh yeah, not only do I see it, I hear it. I hear the cries of even the stones and the wood because of the way they act. If we could just for a minute hear everything God hears. He hears the groanings of all creation. Of a creation that is mired by the fall and, and not using what our intended purpose, why were we created for? And God hears the cries of it all. He hears the cries of people, but he hears the cries of all of his creation. He gets it. And so that's what he's telling Habakkuk. Listen, I understand far more deeply, far more thoroughly than you do. You're wondering if I see it. Oh, not only do I see it, I hear it. I know it. I get it deeply. And there's going to be a judgment that's coming for that. And then there's the judgment number three. Whoa, 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 whoa. It comes again. And this third woe, woe to a people who build their cities using bloodshed. God knows. He sees. He sees how the Babylonians are acting. He sees how they're getting ahead. And then tucked into this is this incredible statement in verse 14. That the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. Why can you live by faith? 
Why can you have joy no matter your circumstances? Why can you trust God when it seems like evil people are getting ahead? Why, why can you still have faith when life circumstances are just difficult and hard? Because God sees, God knows, God hears, and there's going to come a time on earth when it is filled with the knowledge of his glory. God's going to have the final word. That's why you can live by faith. Because he's in control. He's sovereign. He's got this. And so there's that little reminder just tucked into that. And then God, he launches into more woes. He, he gives a couple more. He says, hey, woe to people who get others drunk and cause people to look their, lose their inhibitions. Because what's going to happen? You're going to be filled with shame instead of glory. Oh, yeah, you think it's good for a moment. Oh, man, I'm taking advantage of these people. I'm doing with these people just what I want to do. Yeah, it's going to be filled with shame. There's going to be this darkness to it all. And then woe to those who build idols and look to idols and false gods and think that they can find wisdom out of these created things. You are worshiping lies. And then God says something incredible. He says, Habakkuk, look, here's where the righteous look. They look to me. That I'm in my temple. You come and you look to me and you be silent before me. What's God telling Habakkuk? He says, hey, life is confusing. You have unanswered questions. Life is hard. Circumstances are tough. I get all that. Come to me with your questions. I'll welcome them. But then you sit and listen. Listen to me because I've got it all under control. I've got this. And so that's the challenge to Habakkuk, but that's the challenge to all of us. That when life is hard, when life doesn't make sense, when it's confusing, when circumstances are just really painful and hurtful, what do we do? It's okay to bring those questions before the Lord, but then we wait before him. And we wait by looking to his word and allowing him to speak and to guide and to direct. Sometimes we get so anxious to find a solution, and yes, we should be hardworking, but it starts, it starts with listening to God. When life is hard, we listen. When life is hard, we listen to God. And it seems that that's exactly what Habakkuk has done. He, he listens. And so almost immediately, God gives this thing, and it seems like that Habakkuk is responding with this song of, of pray, praise. It's, it's, a, it's a praise song, a, almost a song of prayer. But it's a, it's a praise prayer here that Habakkuk um, sings in chapter 3. And it's just beautiful literature, so I want to I read the whole chapter to you. Uh, Habakkuk chapter 3, the prophet writes, A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet according to the Shiganoth. O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Timon and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like light. Rays flashed from his hand and there he veiled his power. Before him went pestilence and plague followed at its heels. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of Kushan in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers or your indignation against the sea? 
When you rode on your horses on your chariot of salvation, you stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and ride. The raging rivers swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their place. At the light of your arrows, they sped. At the flash of your glittering spear, you marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. You pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. I hear, and my body trembles, my lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones, my legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Though the fig trees should not blossom, not fruit beyond, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the, yields, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like deer's feet. He makes me tread on my high places." You know, this one starts off uh, maybe a little funny because it says, hey, according to the Shiganoth, we're like, what in the world is a Shiganoth? The point is, we don't really know. That's why it says Shiganoth. It's just this like transliterated word that, okay, here's this Greek or this Hebrew word that we don't know what it means. So we're just going to kind of transliterate it for you here into English. It's some kind of musical instrument, maybe. It's at least a musical term. It's kind of like Selah. Like, we don't know what Selah means. It's just, that's why we just get it transliterated. Whenever you see like a Hebrew word that's been transliterated, you don't understand. The translators are just telling you, hey, this used to be used at some point in Hebrew, but there's no like modern word for it. So we don't really know what it means. Most always it's some kind of musical term. And so perhaps it's an instrument. Maybe it's some kind of arrangement, the way it's supposed to be sung. You know, we don't really know. But what we do know is this, that Habakkuk has listened to the Lord. He's heard, when God says, listen, Habakkuk listens. And in listening, what does he do? He's able to recount just who God is and what he's done. And as he thinks it through, he, he looks back and he says, I've heard. I've heard of who you are, God, and what you've done for your people. I've heard how you've avenged your people. How, you know, the evil, they don't get ahead. That ultimately you do respond, but that you are patient in, in your response. He, he listens and he says, God, you're in charge. You're in control. I trust that you do see and hear the groanings of creation and that you will respond. <laughs> see, he has this trust that one day the knowledge of God's glory will indeed fill the earth. So right now, when circumstances are bleak, I'm trusting you. And when he trusts him, Habakkuk has this physical reaction to it all because he, he thinks just how powerful God is and who God is. What does he say happens? My, my legs begin to shake within me. My, my, my lips begin to quiver. My, my whole body trembles. Why? Because you're a God who's this omnipotent. You, you're this powerful. You have this type of knowledge, this type of control, this type of sovereignty. You can do all this. This causes a reaction. 
Why? Because the prophet Habakkuk begins to see how big God is. And when he understands how big God is, what happens? His circumstances become a whole lot smaller. Because he doesn't just see, oh man, these circumstances that seem so big. The evil Babylonians are coming in and they're going to terrorize us. And it's going to be awful because they're going to split families up and they're, they're going to exile us off. They're going to march us away. They're going to ransack our city, our beloved homeland, and they're going to take us off to this foreign place. It's going to be awful. And all that somehow seems a little bit smaller because Habakkuk sees how big God is. And when he realizes there's a God who's bigger than all of these circumstances that are about to take place. Wow. That, that just kind of stops me in my tracks here for a second. It makes my legs just kind of shake beneath me because this is the God I worship. This is the God I serve. Have you ever had that kind of reaction? Has God ever seemed so big to you that no matter what's going on in life, you're like, man, he's, he's got this because he's bigger than this. And, and that almost scares me a little bit that there's a God who's this much bigger than all of these things in my life that seem so big. What does that type of faith produce? Did you hear what Habakkuk said? The prophet says, it gives me joy. Joy in who you are. You're the God of my salvation, so I will live with joy. Yeah, the circumstances are terrible. He even says, hey, there's no food. The olive isn't producing any oil. I mean, everything's bad. There's no animals to help with the work. Everything's bad, but how am I going to live? Oh, I'm going to live by faith, and that faith produces joy because I know who you are. I know you're bigger than all this. And so I'm going to live with joy. And then it closes out, and the prophet says, you're going to make my feet like the feet of a deer. Now, when you read that, maybe your mind goes to like the white-tailed deer that we see sometimes kind of running around here or over in Shenandoah or someplace like that. That's not the type of deer that the prophet would have had in mind. No, he's thinking of the ibex deer found over in Israel. And if you, you need to Google this, okay, and you look at where the ibex deer live and just a video of them and what they do. I mean, it's, they're almost like bighorn sheep kind of out west here in, in America. But these deer, they live up on the clefts of the rock. And they, they, they will be up like a half a mile or something down this huge canyon. And there's a river down at the bottom. And so what do these deer do? They like scamper all the way down this sheer cliff to get down to the bottom. And as you're watching the video, it's almost an emotional experience because you're thinking, this thing's surely going to fall over and die. And they're just going to tumble. What, 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 what am I about to see here? I mean, it, it, it's terrifying even to watch. But they're able to scamper down this just sheer rock face, just finding these little places to land. And they do it as young as barely over a week old. The baby Ibex will follow their moms all the way down to the bottom of the canyon. It is incredible. But the thing is, that's what God made the Ibex to do. That's how he created them. He made them with these cloven hooves that kind of expand under their weight that are able to grip and take them safely to the bottom of a canyon. And what is the prophet saying? God, you're going to give me feet like that. You're going to allow me to do what is seemingly impossible, things that I never thought I could do. You're going to help me endure stuff with joy 
There's no way I'd be able to stand up under the weight of these circumstances on my own. But I'm understanding that you're bigger than all this. And God, you've created me for something. You've created me to make disciples. And maybe you're thinking, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can turn my home into a ministry center. I don't know that I can really pour in to someone. I don't know that I can take the light of Jesus really out into the darkness, wherever it is that I work, live, study, and play, and make a difference. I, I don't know if I'm up for that. You know, that's for people other than me. And the prophet is saying, no, when you understand just who God is, that when you truly live by faith, he enables you to do things that you could not do on your own, things that are seemingly impossible to you. See, here, here's our challenge. It's simply to believe that God will use you to do what he created you to do. It's simply to believe that God will use you to do for exactly that which he created you to do. And if you believe that, then you will live by faith. Faith in a God who's so big, who's so huge, who stands above and holds all of our circumstances, who hears the groanings of creation and is able to make things right. Yeah, we live in a confusing world. We live in a world that's hard, it's difficult, and we've got all these questions, many of which are unanswered, and we want answers for them. We crave answers for them. But how do we live in response to all this? We live by faith. We live by faith so that we can jump from these seemingly impossible places and make disciples. <laughs> See, our response is to come together to believe that God will do in us exactly what he created us to do, to come together in faith and live. Heavenly Father, we thank you that God, even in the midst of hard circumstances, even in the midst of difficult times when life seems most confusing, God, that you are bigger than it all, that you hear and you know all those difficult, painful, confusing aspects of our lives much more deeply, much more thoroughly than even we do. And God will help us to come before you with our questions and then to listen for you to speak, for you to guide so that we can run and live the life that you intend for us to live, to do things that, hey, by ourselves seem seemingly impossible but we believe that you will do in us what you created us to do. We recognize that the only way to do that is by your help. And so we ask this by the power of your spirit and the grace of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.